0: Good morning, friends. Do you believe in miracles? Some of you listening today may remember the final 10 seconds of the 1980 Olympics when the United States upset the great Russian hockey team. Take a listen again one more time to L. Michaels on the call. You've got 10 seconds. The Yes, do you believe in miracles? That's the topic for today. And we're going to take a look at an aspect of Jesus' ministry that is impossible to ignore. And that is the many miracles that he performed during his time on earth. In Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, there are 64 different miracles recorded. There are also three occasions in which the Gospel writer says that Jesus performed many miracles and healed many people. So when you read the Gospels, you see that this was a significant aspect of his ministry. Miracles weren't merely a sometimes event. They appear to be a frequent occurrence. This begs the question then, what do the miracles mean? Were they just done for show to prove that he really is the Son of God? Were there other reasons? What about today? Did Jesus perform miracles only while he was here on earth? Or does he perform miracles now, even in this day and age? Well, these are some of the questions we're going to consider today. And I'll give away the ending a little bit right now and say, yes, Jesus still does work miracles in the lives of people today. A problem we encounter, however, and it's basically the same problem that the people who lived in his day encountered, is that we don't fully understand the motive and the meaning of the miracles. And until we do, we can't fully benefit from his miracle-working power. Hebrews 13, verse 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he could do yesterday, he can do today. He hasn't changed. He's at work all around the world answering prayers and touching people's lives in a way that can only be described as something supernatural, as divine intervention. You can see his power at work in your life too. You can experience miracles. Today we're going to talk about how that happens. It begins with understanding the meaning and motives behind the miracles that Jesus performed. And so today I'm going to ask you to consider at least five noteworthy observations about Jesus' ministry of miracles. Now when I talk of miracles, I'm talking about the things he did to override, so to speak, the natural course of events. For example... He healed people of all kinds of afflictions. He delivered those who were demon-possessed. He raised two people from the dead. He, one time he fed 5,000 with a few fish and some loaves of bread. Another time he fed 4,000. On one occasion he walked on water. On another occasion he calmed a raging storm at sea. He turned water into wine at a wedding. And when some fisherman had spent the night working in futility, catching nothing, He told them to cast their nets on the other side of the boat. When they did, the nets came up so full of fish that the boat couldn't contain them all. Now, what did these miracles mean, and why did he perform them? The first thing I want you to see is that his motive was not, or what his motive was not. Jesus never performed miracles to draw a crowd. He never performed miracles to advertise his ministry. In fact, as we learned a couple of weeks ago, if you've been listening to these messages about Jesus I've been sharing with you, he had a decidedly low-key approach to his healing ministry. Many times when he healed people, he gave them specific orders, don't tell anyone about this. For example, there was a time, uh, you can find it in Mark 7, when some people brought a man to Jesus who could neither speak nor hear, asking if he could be healed. Jesus took the man away from the crowd, Scripture says, away from the center of attraction, and there he quietly and discreetly restored the man's ability to both hear and speak. This was his method. He didn't bring sick people up on a stage for thousands of people to see and have them throw down their crutches and stretch out their hands and dance in a circle to demonstrate their miracle for the masses. He had no interest in self-promotion. Now, there are a number of possible reasons why he took such a low-key approach. One of them we're going to look at in just a minute. However, the primary reason, in my opinion, is that Jesus simply was not willing to use people to build up his ministry. Instead, he used his ministry to build up people. Here's the second observation. Jesus healed people in spite of the inevitable risks involved. Now You're probably asking, <clears throat> what were the risks? But one risk was that he would be seen only as a miracle worker rather than the Messiah. That people would focus on what flashy thing he could do for them now in the moment rather than focusing on the eternal significance of his teaching. After Jesus fed the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish, the next day he and his disciples went away to be alone and the crowd came looking for him. When they caught up with him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you understand the miraculous signs. But don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. This risk is as real today as it was back then. I mean, many people come to Christianity today not with an attitude that says, what's true, what's real, what matters for all eternity. They come not with an attitude that says, what does it really mean to be a Christ follower and to walk in obedience? But they come instead with an attitude that says, what are the benefits? What can I get out of it? What can Jesus do for me today? The paradox is that he can do a lot for you today, and he will. But when you focus on nothing but the flash of the Christian life, you focus on nothing but getting your needs met in the moment, and you miss out on what it really means to live a life in Jesus. You see, Jesus knew from the very beginning that this is one of the risks involved in performing miracles, that many people would miss the point of what being his follower is all about. This is why John said in chapter 2, because of the miraculous signs Jesus did in Jerusalem at the Passover celebration, many began to trust him. But Jesus didn't trust them because he knew about all people. No one needed to tell him about the human nature, for he knew what was in each person's heart. Yet, in spite of this risk that so many would completely miss the point of what his ministry was all about, Jesus continued to heal people. There's also another risk to consider here, and that's that miracles that Jesus performed that caused the religious leaders to view him as a threat to their status quo. In John 5, Jesus healed a man who had been sick for 38 years. It happened on the Sabbath, so it resulted in a confrontation with religious uh, who believed that it was a sin to heal on the day of rest. John says that the Jewish leaders began harassing Jesus, persecuting him, simply because he he did that miracle on the Sabbath. A short time later, uh, one of Jesus' closest friends, a man named Lazarus, died while Jesus was away. Maybe you remember this story. When Jesus arrived in Bethany, Lazarus had been dead for four days. Lazarus was, it appears, a man of influence in his community because many people had come to his home to grieve with his sisters, Mary and Martha. When Jesus arrived, he asked to be taken to the place where Lazarus was buried and they all followed him to the tomb, a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. When they got there, Jesus told them to roll away the stone, but Martha objected. She said, in effect, that Lazarus had been there for four days and his body, no doubt, had begun to decompose, and there would be a great stink. Jesus says in John 11:40, 40, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And after they'd moved the stone, Jesus called out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Just a moment later, the man made his way out of the cave, his hands, his feet, and his face wrapped in the clothes of his corpse. And Jesus said, Take off the grave clothes, and let him go, I don't know about you friends, but that's the power of Jesus. but that day that miracle was a turning point in his ministry. because of this miracle, the religious leaders decided that he had become way too powerful that things were getting out of control, and therefore this Jesus must die. Jesus healed Lazarus, knowing the risks involved and the costs involved. he knew that if he raised Lazarus there would be repercussions, but he did it anyway. Why did he do it? Well, that's the third observation I want to make about Jesus' miracle ministry. And that's that sometimes Jesus healed people to teach a spiritual truth. In Mark 2, four men brought their uh, friend to Jesus to be healed. And when they were finally able to get to Jesus, he said to the man, My child, your sins are forgiven. Well, this offended some of the religious people again who were there because in their way of thinking, only God can forgive sin and And so Jesus said to them in Mark chapter 2, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the uh, paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. In the very next chapter of Mark, Jesus is in the synagogue on the Sabbath and a man with a shriveled hand was there the religious leaders again were watching him to see what he'd do because according to their rules and their regulations it was wrong to heal on the Sabbath so Jesus asked them again does the law permit good deeds on the Sabbath or is it a day for doing evil is this a day to save life or to destroy it when they did not respond he told the man to hold out his hand and it was immediately restored He used this moment to make a point and to teach a truth, and it's this, that any doctrine that prevents you from doing good when you can do good is not good doctrine. In fact, it's bad religion. Like the other miracles, this created a backlash. The Bible goes on in Mark 3 and says, At once the Pharisees went away and met with the supporters of Herod to plot how to kill Jesus. Now why would Jesus heal someone when it would only lead to trouble? For himself. It's simple, and it's the next observation I want to make, and it's this Jesus healed people because he cares about people. Jesus was constantly moved and motivated by compassion for others. And you see this again and again in the Gospels. Matthew 14. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. In Matthew 15, before Jesus fed the 4,000, he said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. In Matthew 20, when two blind men came to him asking to be healed, the Bible says Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. Friends, let me tell you something about the Jesus we encounter in the Gospels. He cares about people. His heart goes out especially to those who are hurting and to those who are helpless. Some of you remember the uh, movie Superman. Actually, it was in Superman 2. Uh, when the supervillains are engaged in a battle with Superman, General Zod says, This Superman is nothing of the kind. I've discovered his weakness. He cares. He actually cares for these earth people. Well, there's a sense in which you can say that this is Jesus' weakness as well. This is his kryptonite, if you will. He really cares about people. Not only to the extent that he healed people at his own personal risk, but also to the extent that he was willing to die on the cross for our sins. His compassion hasn't changed. He cares about people today, friends. He he cares about you just as he cared about them then. Jesus healed people out of compassion. And I want you to know that he has compassion for you, whatever you may be facing today. And that brings me to my final observation. Jesus often healed people in response to their faith. There are several instances in which Jesus says something along these lines. In Matthew nine, in Matthew nine twenty nine it says, According to your faith, let it be done to you. Mark five thirty four, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Matthew eight thirteen, go, it will be done just as you believed it would. Luke seventeen nineteen, rise and go, your faith has made you well. When we get into discussions about the power of faith, I always proceed a little bit carefully. I don't want any one of you that are listening to misunderstand what the message of faith is about. And I say that because there are some people who say that if you've got problems in your life, it's because you have no faith. They say that if you're sick or you're struggling financially, it's because you have no faith. Well, friends, this isn't true, and it sounds just a little bit like they're saying, let's blame the victim. See, we shouldn't blame our problems on a lack of faith, but neither should we ignore what the Bible says, specifically what Jesus said about the power of faith. In Mark 11.23, he says, Truly I tell you, if anyone says of this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Now, Jesus isn't saying that if you believe you can tell God what to do and how to do it. He is saying that if you believe you can overcome any problem, you can conquer any challenge in life. Having faith doesn't mean that you dictate to God how your life will turn out in every single detail. But it does mean that you will conquer, in one way or another, every challenge that comes your way because Jesus responds to faith. Throughout his ministry, Jesus was a miracle worker. He was moved with compassion when he encountered hurting people, and when people demonstrated faith, he was greatly impressed. But I also want you to understand something about the nature of miracles. Because we sometimes wonder, if God is a miracle-working God, why doesn't he just solve all of our problems and make everything as easy as we think we would like for it to be? My friends, we need to understand this about miracles. They all have a pretty short short lifespan, short life shelf life they only last for a little while I mean think about it everyone that Jesus healed during his time on earth they all eventually died didn't they I mean Jesus calmed the storm at sea but it wasn't the last storm ever was it there were other storms on the way Jesus fed the 5,000 one day and the 4,000 another day and it was a tremendous miracle but these people weren't fed for a lifetime they were soon hungry again and so in this sense, the miracles we experience have a pretty short lifespan. We may see our need as the most urgent thing ever, but even when that need is met through God's generous intervention, another need soon comes along. Miracles aren't meant to last forever, because nothing in this life is meant to last forever. That's why Jesus said in uh, John 6:27, Don't be so concerned about Perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Friends, we often see life only in terms of the present moment, only in terms of what is urgent today. You know, I need this bill paid, I I need to be healed, I need help in my marriage, I need a job, and on and on and on. Jesus, however, sees our lives in the context of the big picture. Not just this moment, but all eternity. For this reason, his perspective on what really matters is so much greater than ours. Our challenge, then, is to learn to see life from his perspective. Now, what about Jesus working miracles in our lives today? Well, he still does. And when we recognize his big-picture perspective, it becomes easier to recognize how he is at work in our lives. So, today, if you need a miracle, I want you to know two things. First, you can bring your needs to Jesus lay them at his feet, and ask him for his help. You can be sure that he cares about your situation because he cares about you. He cares deeply about you. When you have a need, you can bring it to Jesus. And second, when you bring your need to Jesus, you can be sure that he will respond to your request. Jesus responds to faith, and the mere act of asking for his help is, in itself, a show of faith. It's the first step of faith. He will honor it. Put your faith in him by asking for his help, and then trust him to give you the power to conquer whatever situation you may face according to his will. When you put your faith in him, there will be times when you rise and walk. There will be times when the storms are silenced. There will be times when the floodgates of heaven are opened and blessings are poured out upon you. There will be times when you conquer the mountain a different way. There will be times when you conquer the mountain by by becoming bigger than the mountain. There will be times you overcome the affliction by becoming stronger than the affliction. There will be times when you defeat the problem by becoming tougher than the problem. Miracles have a very short lifespan. Our need for them comes and quickly goes. But I want you to know that the miracle is not the climax of the story. The miracle Jesus can send your way is not Act 3. It's act one. The miracle that you experience is just the beginning of the story. What matters most is what happens next. When you need a miracle, pray for the miracle, because it will come in one way or another. But don't make the mistake of thinking that God's intervention in this one moment is what matters most. Instead, reflect on Jesus' words in John 6:27. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Friends, Jesus is still a miracle worker. He cares about you, and he's willing to do something great in your life at the point of your greatest need. But don't forget, the miracle is just the beginning. What matters most is what happens next as you continue your journey with him. May God bless you. Until next Sunday.